0: Today's reading comes from Psalm 77. I cry aloud to God, aloud to my God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When I remember God, I moan. When I meditate, my spirit faints. You hold my eyelids open. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, the years of long ago. I said, Let me remember my song in the night, let me meditate in my heart. Then my spirit made a diligent search. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? Then I said, I will appeal appeal to this, to the years of the right hand of the Most High. I wrote I will remember the deeds of the Lord, yes. I will remember your wonders of old. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Your way, O oh God, is holy. What God is great like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples. You with your arm redeemed your people, the children of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O oh God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled. The clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder, your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind, your lightning lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks
1: be Thanks be God. You can have a seat. Gosh, I'm the pastor here, and it's a great morning to be with you. We finally get a break from our uh, snowpocalypse the last couple Sundays. Uh, if you're visiting with us, again, I just would encourage you to fill out a Connect card, and you can uh, give that to me or anyone that you see on stage. We'd love to get to know you a little bit more. Uh, one, one of the biblical truths that we believe in and try to embody, try to live out as a church, is that the church is best served by, by a plurality of pastors, and, which means that it's good for you to hear other pastors preach. And so we have a treat today. Uh, My good friend and mentor Lou Damiani is back. He preached a few times at the end of last year during my paternity leave, and he's uh, generously willing to drive down from Traverse City and bless us. Uh, he's, he was a longtime pastor, and now he's uh, on staff at Sojourn Traverse City, a, a church in, in Traverse City that has really just been generous with us, kind of taken us, our little church, under its wing and, and, and uh, offered people and resources. They sent a team down and all that stuff, so we, we feel uh, that that church is love, the ch- universal church of Jesus is Christ's love through, through Lou being with us uh, this morning. So Lou, come on up. I'll pray for you, and, and we'll let, let you bring, bring the word. Father, I praise you for my brother Lou. I thank you for uh, just your, your goodness to me and, and showing me yourself through him in the flesh and bone person of Lou Damiani. I thank you for his generosity and, and love for our church, willing to come and, and just serve us with his uh, decades of wisdom, decades of listening uh, to you, and, uh, and just his, uh, his velvet hammer, uh, his ability to bring truth in a way that uh, is loving and tender. Uh, and and convicting. Father, would you call us into a deeper uh, reality of of our identity as your children? Would you call us into uh, emotional health, spiritual health uh, for your glory and the the furthering of your kingdom? Be with Lou. In Jesus' name, amen.
2: Good morning. It's good to see you. Good to be with you guys again uh, and to come all the way down from the wonderful land of Traverse City. You have more snow than we do just so you know, all right? Um, Through the years, working with, up close and personal with many folk, many situations, as a pastor, as a counselor, as a disciple maker, as a coach, one of the most important questions I have learned to ask especially in my later years, is how do you personally process relational hurts and emotional pain? Your disappointments and your deep discouragements, your losses and your crosses, your hurts and your heartaches, how do you process them? What do you do with all that emotional pain that results from the hits and the hurts to your life and heart? Well, we know we're not supposed to react out of them because when we do, we only end up hurting others as well as ourselves. So usually what Christians do is they do just the opposite and they repress them. And we find out that that's not the answer either failing to process, failing to acknowledge, we just tend to stuff them or store them or eat the pain. But when we stuff away the pain of our discouragements and disappointments, it's guaranteed it's going to make us jaded, cynical over time, and it'll shut down our spirit. We'll become robotic in our Christian life with little joy, And certainly not any inner peace. Likewise, if we store away our hurts, you know what happens with that. You try to eat your hurt in your offenses, your hurts are going to turn to hates. You'll grow bitter, you'll grow distant in your relationships, and there will be a toxin that will be developed in your spirit from bitterness. You will become toxic to yourself, but also to those around you. We can't eat our herd either. And if we eat our anger, our anger ends up eating us from the inside out, eating us alive. It's amazing. Again, psychiatrists will tell you today, the honest ones, that probably up to 90 to 95% of the cause of ongoing depression. Not occasional, but ongoing. The root cause is stuffed away, stored away, unacknowledged anger that has been stored away for decades in many cases, never dealt with, the root never faced. So what do we do? We aren't to react out of our emotional pain, and we aren't to repress our emotional pain. How does the scripture advise us? Most every Christian knows about the power and the importance of prayer. Yet, through my years of ministry, I often hear this comment people will make. Pastor, sometimes when I'm praying, I just struggle to know what to pray for. And someone would say, what I could use is kind of like a prayer primer. You know of one. Do I ever? It's called the Book of the Psalms right in the middle of our Bibles. And that is probably why God wrote one. He knew we needed one. The Psalms are absolutely loaded, not just with praises, but with prayers. There's prayers of elation and exaltation. In complete contrast, there are prayers of desperation and exasperation and lamentation. They're prayers of confession, contrition, and repentance. You will also find prayers, numerous prayers, the psalmist makes for God's protection and his vindication and instances where he was unfairly treated or falsely accused. So he kind of tells us something right there, what we're to do when we're unfairly treated And we're falsely accused or spoken about. We aren't to attack back. We aren't to rant and rave to others as well, telling what this person did or did not do to us. No, the psalmist would tell us you don't go to others, you don't go to the phone, you go to the throne. Let him do the defending, let him do the vindicating. There's so many psalms that teach us how to pray in various situations to do exactly what the psalmist did with an injustice against us, a great offense, or a legitimate complaint. But what do we do when our complaint is against God? Because there's going to be times in your life, your normal Christian experience, when the emotional pain of some trial you're going through will be so intense, so overwhelming, or a seasoned, of prolonged disappointment that will become increasingly discouraging, or some significant dream of yours is shattered, a deeply valued relationship that's broken, or someone very precious to your life that God has chosen to take away, and deep inside, you question, God, why? Where are you? Why did you let this happen? Can't you see the hurt I'm going through? What if your complaint is against God? Let's go to Psalm 77. So appreciate that Psalm being read this morning. Again, if you just get in the middle of your Bible, you can't miss it. Psalm 77. Again, this amazing psalm is written to us in the form of a prayer and it's an example of how to be emotionally honest with God. How to be emotionally, what does it sound like? To be emotionally honest with God when we're upset. And by the way, this was written by Asaph, which was one of the choicest saints in that time who wrote many great psalms. This is a struggling, spiritually driven saint, and he's deeply hurting. Listen to the first nine verses of this great psalm. My voice, rises in the, uh, my voice rises to God, and I will cry out loud. My voice rises to God, and he will hear me. In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. In the night, my hand was stretched out without weariness. My soul refused to be comforted. When I remember God, I am disturbed. When I sigh, then my spirit grows faint. You have kept my eyelids open. I am so troubled I cannot speak. I have considered the days of old, the years of long ago. I will remember my song in the night. I will meditate with my heart and my spirit ponders. Then the questions starts. Will the Lord reject forever? Feels like it. Will you never be favorable again? Has his loving kindness ceased forever? Has his promises to me come to an end? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Or has he in anger withdrawn his compassion? All right, think with me. Why has God included prayers like this in the scriptures? And believe me, this is just one of many. Because look at what the psalmist says about him in verse 3. When I remember you, God, my spirit moans. It's growing faint. You keep my eyelids open. You keep me awake at night. I cannot even sleep. I'm so troubled. Then the questions and the doubts, are you going to reject me forever? What about your promises? I don't see any fruit of them. Have you forgotten to be gracious to me? Rejected me? Lord, I need you to show up. Is it a shocker to you that such a verse and passage is like this in the Bible. Why would God place a prayer like this in his sacred word? Because he plainly tells us that he's good to his children. Oh, will taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is a man who places trust in him. No good thing does he withhold to those who walk uprightly. Well, since that is true, this doesn't put that in that good a light. God. So somehow, if you were God's press agent, and you read this, wouldn't you be tempted to advise him saying, you know, Lord, you, you do want your people and other people to believe you're a good God, and This guy is one of your, you know, primo saints, and is this really what you want to include in here? Why put this in the Bible? Well, child of God, this is in the scriptures to teach us how to pray honest to God. And may I say to you, my beloved, again, I have been young and now I'm old. I've been raised in the church for since I was four years old and I have been in numerous Baptist churches, I've been in many Bible churches, I've been evangelical free churches, I've pastored some of them and I have worked with probably thousands of folk and I will tell you I never learned in church how to pray honest to God. not one. Singular sermon. So it's not surprising to me we have so many Christians so locked up emotionally, emotionally constipated, angry at God and others, but never really acknowledging it. And so we have passages and scriptures like this, but in our American churches, we've ignored them to our detriment and to our emotional health. When there are times in our own significant pain and disappointments, when through all of the pressures and problems and frustrations we are facing, that inside our own heart we are asking, God, where are you? Are you not taking notice The loneliness, my heartache, the unfairness, the futility, the abandonment. How'd you allow this to happen? We need prayers like this to teach us how to relationally process our hurts and our heartaches. When we ourselves are going through such deep hurt and discouragement that we have a hard time seeing God in the midst of it. This is what God is saying to us, that he welcomes us to come and pray out loud our doubts, to come to him with our questions, to bring to him our complaints, to talk honestly to him about our confusion. It is not to be kept bottled up, unacknowledged. It is not. Because that's the place it will do its greatest damage. So if you love main points, this is the main point of this passage. Without emotional honesty, you cannot and will not be emotionally and spiritually healthy. You have to be real with God to be right. You have to be real to be right. You have to be honest with him. Listen. To be healed and happy in your soul. There's no other way. Please understand when it comes to God in you, he is all about relationship. First, foremost, forever. He wants what's best for you. He wants intimacy with you. He designed you for it. The more intimate you are with your God, the greater your pleasure in this life, the greater you will pl- you'll have pleasure in his presence. That is one of the reasons he wants the intimacy and the joy of relationship with you, so you will experience the joy of his. He's all about intimacy. So the last thing he wants is anything coming between you and him, Anything. But what happens if we have buried resentments for them that we've never acknowledged, hard questions that we have never asked? Well, folks, it's going to kill relational intimacy. And it will on the vertical level, just as it does on the horizontal level. Let me ask you a question. If you have hidden resentments towards another brother or sister, do you tend to move toward that person? No. We don't. In fact, the more resentment you have inside here, the more an invisible relational wall you erect out here. And it's the same with God. It's the same with him. I am tired of working with so many people in full-time Christian ministry with buried resentment, and they burn out. Pastors, missionaries, school administrators, never processed, and their churches suffer. Ministries suffer their families tired of it. I share this from my heart because I've experienced it. This psalm is an invitation. God is saying, come to me with your complaints, your concerns, and your confusions, because I can handle it. Pour them out to me. Don't keep stuffing them. We'll process it together. Now, this psalm, like many others in Scripture like it, has this pattern, and it's very important to hear it and to know it in its sequence. It starts with the problem, then it goes to the promises, then it goes to the praise. Problem, promise, praise. When a particular psalmist was deeply troubled over something, as this one was, they always start with the problem. They always start with their emotions. They don't start with praise. They start with honesty before God. This is what I'm feeling. These are my questions. Even if they're questions against God and His character, they're asking them. In my youth, back when the earth crusted over, I was taught well, if you're going through something, just praise the Lord anyway. That actually is a spiritualized form of denial. Because that's not what the psalmist does. He starts right with the pain and all the poisonous thoughts and doubts entangled up with all those hurts. God, where are you? Have you forgotten me, rejected me, forsaken me? Listen, think this. Exhale before you inhale. Exhale out the pain, all the hurt preferably out loud that's the first part exhale notice verse 10 cuz there's a transition he begins with the promises the focus in on the word of god then i said it is my grief he acknowledged it i'm getting my grief out that the right hand of the most high has changed notice notice his choice I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate on all his work and muse on all his deeds. There's three times he's mentioned. I shall, I will, I will. He makes the choice to meditate on God's promises. It is a choice, and you're not gonna feel like making it. But once you get the poison out, start inhaling the truth. Exhale, inhale. Then the the psalmist begins to, the the following verses talk about God's faithfulness. He begins to praise God. He reminds God, he reminds himself of the Red Sea. Again, don't forget the sequence. Problem, promise, praise. My complaint is first and then what is gonna start with C I can't think of it so we won't go on to that alright alright so exhale the, the pain inhale the truth and then the praise will naturally flow and follow so for yourself child of God where you sit in all honesty how do you Typically, process your own relational pain and emotional hurt when you are deeply troubled over something let me give some examples when you're traumatized by a fear and worry when you're feeling paralyzed because of some ongoing situation that has you tied up in knots. When you're stressed, when you're internally struggling, what do you usually do? Where do you typically turn? This psalm is telling you. My friend, for your sake, and for those of you you love, please don't ignore it. God is saying, go to me first. Go to me openly. Honesty with God, including emotional honesty, is absolutely necessary for your emotional and spiritual health. And the psalmist, if you'll notice in verse 1 again, he didn't just go to God with words, he went to God with tears. It says he cried out. This is emotional honesty in high definition. And again, what we learn about this is that our emotions are not meant to be stuffed, they're not meant to be ignored, and they're not meant to be obeyed. They're meant to be acknowledged. We aren't to act out of them. And we aren't to ignore them. We're to acknowledge them. Then we can act responsibly. So the scriptures tell us, don't repress it. Don't react out of it. Release it by acknowledging it to God, being honest to him, including any anger that you may have toward God. But some have said, and some have told me, you know what they'll say. Well, I'm not supposed to be angry with God. He already knows you are. He's God. He's omniscient. Well, that's a duh. He does know. He can handle it. He's saying, Come talk to me. Pour out your pain to me. Don't go from me. Come to me. So, what would be some of the questions you would do well to ask your God, my friend? Maybe that you have been harboring inside. Keeping them to yourself. God, why did you allow this to happen in my life? Do you have any of those? Lord God, why was this relationship, this loved one, taken from me? You know the pain that that's caused me. Lord God, why did I have to lose my business, my job, my marriage, my health? What are the family of origin questions? You have maybe been hanging back in your heart unacknowledged, unasked, questions where there may have been abuse and abandonment, things too painful to even bring up because you don't want to think about them. That's dangerous. Questions of being given up for adoption. Talk to him. And here's how. It is so simple. It is so simple if you're ready. This is, you've got about four opens, if you can remember. You open your Bible to a psalm like this. You open your eyes. This is a prayer you do, eyes open. You open your heart. You drop emotionally to your heart. When the psalmist prays this, you add your words. You add your situation. Open your heart emotionally. And then open your tear ducts. Some of you, it would help you because you're more quiet and you're not as verbal, is to write, journal out a prayer, your own prayer, like this. Journal it out. Journal it down. Pray. You'll, you'll cry. That's great. You're never, <laughs> you can tell when the Spirit of God's working in a the heart, they begin to cry. So crying is great, it's a release. We'll get more into that in a minute. Write it out, and then pray it. Did I drop something? Did something go bye-bye? Oh. This is, what is this? Do What, is this my, he's not here. Oh, I'm so sorry. I never, I'm always dropping something, so I thought it was my. It probably was my fault. Okay, ready. Moving right along, foot be free. So the psalmist is so troubled, he's crying out in his spirit that he cannot even speak. And sometimes, I don't know if you've ever been there, when you're so emotionally distraught, you can't get the words out, only tears. That is some of the best praying you will ever do. So if you're sitting down trying to do this and all you can do is cry, great. (laughs) Because God's hearing it. There's something that's done in your soul. It is amazing. God is—it's tr- true that God is near to the brokenhearted, and He saves those in tr- who are troubled in spirit. Listen, I love it again when medical science finally catches up with the scriptures, and it's happened again. Medical science has discovered that when you have emotional pain, anger, bitterness. Uh, of pity, those kinds of things that we're, we're not to keep in our heart, those negative emotions have toxins that get released in our body. Medical science has finally discovered the only way to get those toxins out is through tears. Not through tears of laughter and joy, but through tears of grief. That cleanses our body and soul. And if you have ever been so troubled and you start to cry out to God and tears come and afterward you just feel cleansed inside, that's it. Remember, you're praying to a perfect advocate, the great high priest, the Lord Jesus, who is personally interceding for you as you pray, who in his own humanity fully experienced what we're experiencing but in a far greater measure, and believe me, he can understand and he can come to your aid right then and there. He's got the proverbial Kleenex box out for you. And the scriptures even say in Psalm 55 8, he's got a bottle with your name on it that keeps track of all your tears. But, you know, he's not just our perfect advocate. He's our perfect example on how to process emotional pain, isn't he? Imagine the level of emotions he experienced as a result of all the rejection and the ridicule, the verbal and physical abuse, the calloused hatred, the betrayals. And even greater, there was an experience he went through that was the ultimate in relational and emotional pain. When he went through the experience, of being momentarily abandoned by his heavenly father so that you and I never would have to be. Do you remember at that point what he did and what he expressed when he said, my God, my God, he cried it out, why have you forsaken me? It's out loud, it's with tears, it was of deepest emotion. Not just verbally, but emotionally. My friends, this is how we do it. This is how we process relational and emotional pain. When I, um, I went into the pastor at 39, my first church, um, previously was in a Christian school for nine years in Dayton, Ohio, and God led me into the pastorate. Um, We were very comfortable in Dayton. My family and I, I had a young family, and I loved the school, all of that. God called us to go to this little country church in the middle of northeast Ohio, completely across the state. It was not a bed of roses by any means. It was the hardest year of my life. And uh, I had no idea what I was walking into. I have to admit that if I did, I would not have gone, but God wanted me there. He wanted me to go through the pain. He wanted me to go through the unfairness. He wanted me to go through all of it. He wanted to kill me. He wanted to kill me so I can have new life. He wanted to make me a pastor. He had to break my heart so I dropped in my heart because that's the only way you can reach hearts. I didn't know all of that. Those are all lessons I've learned since then he was taking me through it. The, I was ten months into the pastorate. I'm not going to go into the details of this. It was the day before I was going on vacation, and I was just unfairly attacked. There was no truth to any of the thing. You knew these people were out to get me, and they convinced some elders, some leaders, to come. And this kind of turned on me, and I was just so devastated. I cried. I just, I was so emotionally upset. The next day. I was going on vacation. We went down to Dayton because I had to go to a wedding. We walk into the church. These people greet us like, you know, oh, we're so glad to see you guys. We miss you guys so much. In other words, the opposite treatment I was getting back where I was a pastor. And so as I sat in that church and went through the ceremony, I was getting angrier at God. I mean, ticked. I was like, God, Why in the world would you take me from here and put me there? Why? Why would you do this to me and my family? And I was getting angrier and angrier. I did not see any way out of this situation that I was in. It was just all building up inside of me. I was so depressed and oppressed. I said to Patty, when it came time for the reception, I can't go there yet. I got to go in the car, I got to drive, I got to pray. Went in my car, it's June, roll up the windows, turn on the air conditioner drove around Dayton for 45 minutes screaming out screaming out my pain praying out my pain God why pounding on the steering wheel for about 20 minutes I'm praying out that pain and then I start reminding myself of God's promises and the more I cried and the more I prayed my heart lifted and lifted lighter and lighter and I you know 45 minutes later I'm <laughs> coming into the parking lot I'm singing praises to him you know and getting out of the car it's like some of us will remember this like Clark Kent coming out of the phone booth you know I I'm i now Superman you know it's like a completely changed me my problems were the same but that was a turning point because in going back and facing the problems God gave me a supernatural peace and wisdom I never thought I'd have and the church completely turned around. God parted a Red Sea. This is what I've learned. When you do this over time, here's, I'm going to guarantee you, Scripture is going to guarantee this is what happen. When we talk honestly to God, there's four exchanges that take place. Number one, you exchange your confusion for his clarity. Because emotional stress and pain will leave you very confused. There's a lot of lies wrapped around in it. It'll give you clarity on your life, on the situation, and on your heart, the work God is doing there. How through the pain, the pressure, and the problem, he is doing a deeper work in you to do a greater work through you, to bring back the greater blessing to you. You'll gain clarity about that. We exchange our peace, our our panic for his peace. There is, like again, there's a release, I cannot even explain it, But God gives you his peace in the midst of your panic. And he gives you then the wisdom with the peace to face what you have to face, which gets down to the third one. We exchange our cowardice for his courage. Again, through such prayer, his power is released in you to do his work through you in the circumstances that are troubling you. He then gives you that inner strength the grace to face what you must face in the right way, in the right spirit, his spirit. And you exchange your hurts for his healing. Some of you have gone through some deep relational pain and hurts in your past. Listen, the more you pray out the emotions of that hurt to Jesus, it may take some time, the more you're going to be able to forgive from the heart. And you're going to be free. Yes, deep. you have friends that can help you by listening to you, by hearing you. Anyone can hear you, but only one person can heal you. You've got to go to Jesus with those hurts. So what do you need to talk openly to God about today? honestly. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Please. Pray it out. Write it out. Open your Bible. Open your eyes. Open your mouth. Open your tear ducts. It will be life transforming for you by His grace and power. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for the great love you have for us that is always seasoned with wisdom and grace. Thank you, God, that you work with us with truth, and you love it when we come to you in truth. I pray for the children of God here, your saints here, for that the times with you that would be fresh, honest. Uh, they would be healing. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the God who brings life out of death. You are the God of the resurrection. And we pray, Lord God, Lord Jesus, that for situations, but I don't even know about today, you would bring dead situations to life as people come to you in faith. And we pray this in your faithful name. Amen.